Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest today is a guest that we had last month. His name is Melvin Rhodes. He spoke to us last week about Queen Elizabeth's platinum anniversary, and we really appreciated his analysis of this. Melvin is from the United Kingdom and been a friend, and he's part of our family. We appreciate him very much. He's a retired minister and author, but he's quite a news analyst, as many of the things that he's written have been about news, about biblical prophecy, and the melding of those two. Welcome to the Cubic Report, Melvin. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you here, and I just thank you very much for being able to do this podcast just really at the spur of the moment because of something that's really big that's occurred today in your home country. Today, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, announced his resignation, but said he would continue to serve in this post until his party selects a new leader. This has been a point of controversy and a lot of work. Last night I was watching Sky News. They had reporters right at the doorstep of number 10 Downing Street. It looked imminent, but then we didn't know as things in the world happen uh, very, very quickly and unexpectedly. But anyway, this has been a big, big item of business. And it just seems like Theresa May was prime minister and bang, several years go by. I think almost three years have gone by. Boris Johnson comes uh, with a lot of fanfare, uh, looked very, very promising, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. The question is, what does this mean? What does this mean for the United Kingdom? What does this mean for Europe? What does this mean for what is happening in Russia, Ukraine right now in the war? What course will that take? So these are some of the things that we want to talk about today with Melvin. Melvin, how serious is this resignation of Boris Johnson from Prime Minister? Well, it really remains to be seen. I mean, if they have a good replacement for Boris, uh, somebody who's competent at his job and does the right things, uh, then we might see an improvement. But the chances are uh, that the next Prime Minister uh, will face the same challenges as Boris Johnson, and uh, obviously uh, that's going to be difficult for him. You know, it's going to be somebody that we've been seeing on television, be from Labour, it could be from his own party. Uh, what do you think is going to happen and what direction do you think will be taken? Um, it must be somebody from his own party. Uh, the reason he took so long uh, before he had to quit was because gradually more and more members of parliament were turning against him. And he must have the majority of those seats in Parliament on his side in order to function. And I think now the latest figure is 59 are against him, uh, which means in effect his majority is lost. So that's why he had to go. Now, if a, a replacement commands the support of the majority, then that replacement starts off uh, in a good place. But it won't be Labour unless there's a general election. And nobody's talking about a general election. Nobody wants one at this time. So uh, the candidate for prime minister must be somebody from the Conservative Party. Okay, well, uh, thank you for explaining that. I know that we hear about that, the system of 
elections and choosing leaders is quite different from this country. And it's almost like rules for cricket. We just don't get it. <laughs> we see things happening, but we don't know exactly how it really comes comes to be. So that's that's what's going to happen. So somebody from his own party will be the prime minister. Is that correct? Yes. Now, yeah. what... What in the world uh, happened here uh, with Boris Johnson? He seemed to be popular, kind of a dashing, bravado individual. He had his own brand, so to speak, his own image with his hair. He was the Donald Trump, so to speak, of the United Kingdom. What happened? It seems to be that he's a compulsive liar. Uh, he lied in a number of diff- on a number of different issues. Uh, I mean, for example... Uh, during COVID, when the country was under lockdown, you were not allowed to have any parties. And then it turned out that they had had a party at 10 Downing Street, where the prime minister lives. And the prime minister was present at the party and had even been photographed uh, with a drink in his hand and food in his other hand. And of course, he lied about that to try to cover up. Eventually, he had to admit that the accusers were telling the truth. And then uh, he also lied over something else. A man called Pincher was elevated over members of parliament. It turned out Pincher was guilty of uh, sexual assault on two other men. And as a result of that, Boris Johnson was accused of having bad judgment because the man was elevated, you know, for a while. So that was another thing. And then there were other things as well, but always uh, he wasn't telling the whole truth. He wasn't uh, open with people. Well, I think that uh, is probably very true. I mean, that's, the, that's the accusation that we heard. But when you uh, hear about stories of people in, in, in the political office right now in this country or, or there or, the, or Russia, people lie all the time. Uh, it will catch up to you. In Russia, of course, they lie. They they know that they lie. Uh, they believe their own lies, and they get away with it. But in the right. Western world, it seems like there's more controls to it, and people, there's more uproar, and it's used as uh, leverage to change power. Well, I, I think of the fact that the president has told lies in a number of areas, and yet he gets away with it because he has the media on his side. Uh, whereas in Britain, that's not the case. The media's always looking for advantage to promote itself. But that went against him, too. Well, I watch Sky News, and one one particular feature I enjoy every evening is the dead headlines for the next day. There's no, yes. no, no country in the world that has so many daily papers that are so well known. And they seem that they, they were all on his case yesterday. Boris, you've got to go. Right. Yeah, without exception, that's right. I don't think there was there was any any newspaper that in any way was trying to say, well, I was not so bad, and there's other things to worry about. And, uh, there was no like Newsmax on one side and CNN on the other side. In in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, it seems like they're all on all on that side, including BBC and uh, Sky News. Yeah, the newspapers in Britain are mostly conservative. So they would naturally support Boris Johnson, mm. but not when he's lied. So economical with the, with the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also interesting. Dan Wooten uh, is a regular contributor 
to a new TV channel, which has started in England. It's a conservative channel called GB News. He wrote this this morning. The Tory party will come to regret knifing Boris, the only man who could ever have delivered Brexit, defeated socialism, and smashed Labour's red wall. The BBC, political establishment, and Remainer mob have now won. He also says, I don't think any politician could have sustained such a campaign, and that provides a chilling warning about the new political era that Britain now finds itself in. In other words, you know, the press and everybody together, the BBC and others contributed to the downfall of Boris Johnson. And he doesn't think that any politician can survive that. So all we're gonna have now is mediocre men. Boris Johnson was the last good man, so to speak, even though he had his problems. But in the British parliament, you cannot accuse somebody of lying. Winston Churchill famously once accused a man of lying, and he was corrected by the speaker and told to retract what he had said. So he retracted it and then rephrased it and said, the honorable member is guilty of a terminological inexactitude, <laughs> which meant that he lied. <laughs> we didn't actually accuse him of lying. Well, I think that we want to write more about the commandment that they <clears throat> shall not bear false witness because it's taken very, very lightly in public office, and yet it is one of the ten principles by which human beings function. Well, what are some of the problems in the United Kingdom uh, connected with uh, Boris's departure now? Um, well, there's quite a few problems. I mean, the country is recovering from COVID. It suffered serious financial problems as a result of that and they've got to make up for that and then of course they had adjustments to the economy following brexit there's the northern ireland protocol uh, which is a, a problem they've got with europe their relations with europe in general uh, there's the rapidly rising cost of living there's problems with immigration hundreds or thousands of people are arriving every day illegally by boat from France, but there are people from Africa who just come through France and it's like an invasion's taking place. And that's uh, upsetting a lot of people. And then of course there's Ukraine. So all of those problems. Well, that uh, sounds mostly like the problems that we deal with ourselves. Cost of living. Yeah, that's right. Inflation, I, 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 I'm very sad for what's happening in the United Kingdom to see the cost of fuel and cost of living. And it seems more than just one of those things that will be adjusted on its own. It'll be something that'll be a crisis, especially if we come into the winter where there's a greater demand for fuel. One thing, uh, Melvin, I'd like you to maybe elaborate on a little bit because I don't know enough about it. And I think our listeners would like to know. Northern Ireland Protocol. What is this, what is this problem? Um. Ireland divided about a hundred years ago. The northern part is a part of the United Kingdom. The southern part is the Irish Republic. So they are two different countries. And of course, since 1969, there was a lot of fighting in Northern Ireland between the Protestant majority and the Catholic minority and British troops 
uh, to try and sort that out. That went on for about 25 years. When, when eventually they sat down and talked about it, they did work out things so that there would be peace in Northern Ireland. And that peace has lasted. But now it could open up again because the problem is that part of the part of our island, the northern part of Ireland, which is a part of the United Kingdom, is now classified as a part of the EU. And mm. the Northern Irish do not like that. At least the Protestants do not like that. They want to be completely the same as the United Kingdom. But unfortunately, there's no mechanism right now for treating them that way. So Ireland is still in the EU, all of Ireland, but these six counties in the north want to be separate. And they don't like the fact that they are a part of the European Union right now. Well, isn't Northern Ireland just like Scotland and Wales, where they are part of the United Kingdom and they just automatically would be part of that? They really can't be part of the EU? How is it that they have special privilege to do so? Well, when Britain arranged Brexit, when, when they were leaving the European Union, this was something which was not resolved at the time. And so the northern part of, of Ireland, which is a part of the United Kingdom, was left inside the EU. Uh, now they're trying to get that part of, uh, of Ireland out of the EU and become the United Kingdom again. But the, the problem is because, you see, uh, when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, that was uh, 25 years ago, roughly, when the Good Friday Agreement was signed, the border was open so that every, anybody could go across at any time. Um, and that's what helped with the peace in Ireland. Uh, but that border now has to be closed because of trade. At least that's what they want. Very confusing, and it really boils down to their loyalties to religion, wouldn't it be? They're, they're along religious lines? It boils, down, it boils down to that. It goes back to history. You know, over 400 years ago, when Elizabeth I was queen, she allowed Protestants from Scotland to move into Ireland to repopulate it and to develop its economy. And that has been a source of contention ever since. You know, I have a heart. I used to live in the United Kingdom. I went to college there for a couple of years. And it seems like such a civilized land. Everything is very orderly, much more so than even here in this country. But then the difficulties and the violent contentions in Ireland were just really hard, hard to take because it was like Lebanon or some of these other countries that have civil war and street fighting and things that just go on and on and on. And still to this very day, you have the Irish Republican Army, you have other uh, groups that are loyal and patriotic to their causes. Well, the Irish have a reputation for always fighting. You know, that, that seems to be the case even now. So there's a lot of conflict there. I mean, it's kind of interesting to me that in Britain, there's no importance attached to religion. But then when you go to Ireland, they're fighting over religion. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seems strange when there's these two different countries with two different approaches. Well, the relations with Europe, I think, are going to be affected by what's going on right now. There are three dominant powers in Europe, Germany, France, and United Kingdom. 
Now, the French this year had an election just a few weeks ago, and the result was that the president was returned to office, Emmanuel Macron, but he failed to get a majority in their parliament. And so he's going to have a very weak government. He's not going to be able to do many of the things that he wanted to do. Now, so France is weakened by that. And then the United Kingdom is weakened by what's going on right now. So this is going to leave Europe open to greater German dominance at a time when there's a lot of changes taking place because of the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, The Germans have increased expenditure on their military considerably. Uh, they're, they're They're orienting themselves very much against the Russians. But there's even doubts about that because the Germans depend on the Russians for energy, so nobody knows what's going to happen. But the point is the Germans will dominate Europe much more as a result of what's taking place right now. Well, this is very, very disturbing because as we were growing up, Melvin, both of us, nobody wanted Germany back in power. They still had very fresh memories of Adolf Hitler and Nazis. My parents went through that. They thought, how could human beings treat each other that way? You know, never will we give power back to the Germans. Never will we give power back to the Japanese. That was a phenomenon of the 20th century that is unbelievable. And that's where I began my life. I mean, I was two years old when I came to this country in 1949. It was, I'm really a product of World War II. Actually, I was born in the British zone and, and then came to this country uh, as a refugee. But now we come to this stage of our life and now we see something that was, this will never happen again. Germany will not rise again. And now we're almost encouraging Germany to do something, to spend more on armaments, to be there to help Ukraine. Don't let those people suffer. Don't let those people be taken over, absorbed by, by Russia. So it's, it's just a very, very strange turn of events. And almost every event in any country can turn things. And I feel like the Boris Johnson departure will probably have some effect. Yeah, that's right. I think uh, it was the previous president, Donald Trump, who first uh, came down on Germany, telling them that they needed to contribute more to NATO. And I remember at the time, I was rather horrified. I thought, you know, you don't rearm Germany, but he wanted to. And now we see the same thing continuing. The Germans have got to rearm. They've got to come up with more money. And they've actually increased the amount of money by 100 100 million euros, I think, or something like that. So Germany is going to be rearming. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope it doesn't. So how do you think that Europe will manage itself right now with NATO and uh, Europe, the EU, NATO. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of uh, understanding about this? Well, it's interesting, again, when you look at what's happened in the last few months, uh, the invasion of Ukraine was a real turning point. It led to two other countries in Europe, Sweden and Finland, becoming members of NATO. Uh, their Their actual membership is still processing, so to speak. But the whole of Europe now is united militarily, uh, excluding Switzerland and Austria, uh, which are right in the middle. So they're not affected so much by this. But the rest of Europe is united uh, militarily. 
And that means that Europe is a major uh, military power now, and certainly will, will become more so over the next few months and years. I think that Putin does not know what he's doing with the way that he's coming on. People didn't think that Russia would ever rise. In fact, this has been uh, an amazing phenomenon for <clears throat> me because Russia was, of course, the big evil power, the evil empire, and then it fell completely apart. The 15 republics shattered just like a glass bowl into 15 big shrapnel pieces. And everybody rejoiced. And actually, everybody was happy. And some of the republics were very happy not to be under one regime. And uh, now it's coming back because of people like Putin who want to revive what the glory was of the Soviet Union. And uh, I, I just feel like what's happening is it's Ukraine right now. But why wouldn't he want to just continue on and absorb Estonia, for example, which has 1.3 million people right next to St. Petersburg, which one city has a population of 5 million, and Estonia has some of the choicest shoreline on the Baltic Sea. Then you have Latvia, with also a small population, and, and Lithuania as well. So why not just gobble up all, all of those countries as well? And while you're at it, you've already got Belarus in his pocket. Go back and have the what Peter the Great built Russia into being, you know, in his time in the, in the 1700s. So uh, it's just a very dangerous movement, and uh, Europe is being forced to come together, and if Britain can't show unity or show a clear voice, France has a weak government, uh, everybody else is kind of standing by the sides, Germany might just kind of be pushed into it. And maybe not wanting to necessarily, but well, I guess if anybody else, if nobody's doing anything about it, we might as well step up to the plate. And perhaps that might be some of the scenario that's going to be unfolding. I agree with you, but I think also the relations with the United States could be affected because, you know, German, the Germans are going to have a very cold winter next year. And the suffering which is going to be inflicted upon the people may result in them going it alone. Uh, because they need Russian gas more than anybody else does. So there could be changes there in the next few months. And of course, over here, you've also got, although it's a different situation, uh, the United States has a weak government as well. President Biden is perceived as weak overseas. The United States also is at a point where m probably more people than not uh, would oppose American involvement in Europe anymore. Well, they're just not sure if America will be. It depends upon the leader. Trump had one voice. Biden has another voice. And uh, we still have two more years of uh, President Biden. And then what? One thing that we have talked about a lot in our publications, you know, in the ministry and the voice of the church, has been prophecy. And, you know, we've had various scenarios in the course of our lifetime of the United States of Europe, United Europe, the Ten Nations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, perhaps you could give us a little bit of uh, understanding here to some of the people who are newer listeners uh, about um, what really prophecy points to about Europe. Now, one thing I want to say here, too, is that we thought we had it all figured out back in the 1970s and 80s. And then the empire collapsed, and we thought, what? <laughs> I can't believe that this thing is, is, is falling apart. Ukraine became independent, and I said to myself, what? 
this country was always supposed to be under the thumb of the Russians. And they have been independent, most of the republics, for 30 years, 31 years since 1991. But now it seems like we're going back to where we were before. Where do you think this is all going to end up, considering that the atomic clock, the doomsday clock, is ticking? Events are coming to a point with very mad rulers, very possibly at the very end. Where do you think this is going, uh, Melvin? Well, of course, Europe is a continent that has frequently been at war. You know, every country in Europe seems to have, at some time, been at war with its neighbors. I don't see why we did not foresee this thing happening in Ukraine. I mean, Putin has given us indications of what was going to happen. In 2014, he invaded Crimea. He just took Crimea and nobody did a thing. And before that even, there were problems in Chechnya and he destroyed Chechnya. He just went in and just destroyed the place. So we've had plenty of indications uh, that this was going to happen. He doesn't seem to play by the same rules as everybody else. He doesn't value peace. He only values strength. And of course, we were preoccupied. We were preoccupied by COVID and uh, also by economic problems that we've had. And so he was able to go into the Donbass area of Ukraine and take that. I, d I don't know what his original intent was. Maybe it was to take the whole of the Ukraine. But it seems like he wants to put back, put back together uh, the Soviet empire, which included Ukraine and also Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. So he will take those countries in time, but he'll bide his time. He'll settle for a large part of Ukraine. And then in another eight years, he will take over those three Rep Baltic republics, as they're sometimes called. But nobody's gonna stop him. Well, we're watching, watching that, me being Ukrainian, you know, it's been uh, very disheartening because I have family over there. I've had some family who have lost children in uh, the bombing that has taken place. We do humanitarian work as I have for the last 30 plus years. It's just very sad to see what's, what's happening there. So anything else, uh, Melvin, that you could comment on as far as uh, biblically, how we could uh, take some of the things from the book of Daniel and Revelation, perhaps just a quick primer? Uh, well, the book of Daniel and Revelation also show that uh, prior to Jesus Christ's return, uh, we're going to have a union of 10 nations come together in Europe, and it's going to be a very aggressive power. Uh, the Bible does not identify uh, which nations it's going to be, but we know those 10 nations come together and form what the Bible refers to as the beast power, and that then will turn against other nations. So that's what we're waiting for now, really the beast powers formation coming together. What we've seen the last few months, and this is the biggest stepping stone to European unification, has been what happened in Ukraine, because it has led to the whole of Europe coming together. Uh, more than 10 countries, certainly. But in the final scenario, it'll just be the 10 countries. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just standing by watching, and we need to watch as we're admonished in the book of Luke, to in Luke chapter 21, to watch that we be accounted worthy. 
and uh, watch our lives. There's not much we can do except to watch and pray you know, for as things happen. Right, that's it. That's all we can do. I mean, we, we can't change history at all. Well, Melvin, I've really appreciated your insight. You've been always a person that people saying, well, what does Melvin say about this? And the first podcast that I had with you was a record breaker. We would like to continue to be able to talk to you about some of these things that are happening in the world. And I thought, well, with Boris Johnson leaving, uh, let's call Melvin, see if he could just get onto a podcast right away. I'm so glad that you were able to do this today. We will have more insight into what's going on in the United Kingdom in about a month when Boris Johnson has his replacement in place, and then we can uh, see what his priorities are. Okay, good. Well, we'll talk about that then. Thank you for joining us on The Cubic Report today. If you have any questions or would like to comment on what you've heard today, write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's v-k-u-b-i-k at gmail.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to tell your friends about us. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again very soon.